Hi, this is Karen Rowland, founder of Hush Providence. Welcome to my new weekly well-being podcast, Real People, Real Conversations, Real Life. We'll be talking about all things relating to the human experience. What makes up a life? What creates joy and happiness? What makes humans the same or different? How do we care for ourselves and each other? We'll even try to answer the five W's of well-being, who, what, when, where, and why, and how this all fits together. A little ambitious? Maybe. But join us as we connect with local topic experts, peers, mentors, and healers. Welcome to Hush Providence, a well-being podcast. On today's episode, I'm thrilled to introduce Jonathan Jacobs, JJ. He's the founder and executive director of Rockstars, Inc., and I'll spell that it's R-A-W-K-S-T-A-R-S, Inc., and also Guitars Behind Bars. His mantra is living at the intersection of purpose, nonprofit leadership, and social impact. Welcome, JJ. Thank you so much. That's a beautiful intro. I hope I can live <laughs> up to those great words. Thanks for having me. So why don't we start with just having you tell us your personal journey and how you got to rock stars? Yeah, sure. Um, like most people have a pretty circuitous journey, you know, you sort of landed in a, a much different place than I might have set out thinking. Um, but I spent, uh, you know, I was a child of the 70s and grew up in kind of a broken home with not a lot of opportunity, single mom, uh, getting into a lot of mischief, things of that nature. And uh, music kind of saved my life. I, I know that can be a little bit cliche to say, but in my case, I, I genuinely feel like it's it's true. Um, and I, I took a, a, a bit of an interesting path through music because I really wasn't much of a musician traditionally at the beginning anyways, um, probably still not that great of a musician now, but I discovered sound engineering through participating in music, uh, going into a recording studio with some friends. And it was a real light bulb moment for me, uh, seeing the environment, meeting an engineer, seeing him leading and being in control of the room. And even though he wasn't a musician uh, on the project, he was the one leading all the musicians on the project and sort of kept us on track, um, made sure everybody knew what their job was and kind of was a motivator in a lot of ways. And I really, uh, that really resonated with me as a, a 17 year old kid. And I, I, I took, um, I took a chance on myself and I went to school for sound engineering, which was really difficult back in the late eighties. This was pre computers and there weren't any schools teaching it. Nobody had a MacBook. There was no such thing as the internet. Uh, there was no garage band or any of these things. So I wound up getting, uh, scraping together a little bit of money with help from my grandparents and taking a two-day bus trip out to Ohio in the middle of nowhere to really the only school uh, that I could find that taught you how to be a sound engineer. And that really just changed the course of the rest of my life. I spent the next 10 or 12 years working as a professional engineer and tour manager. Eventually, I traveled the world with a lot of great bands um, that I grew up listening to. And it you know, brought me to the point where when I finished that journey of working in the music business, and I eventually got into technology as a web developer originally, but I took all those lessons that I had learned through participating in music with me 
And really that's carried me through every nook and cranny of my life uh, up until and including today. Wow, that's amazing. Thanks. And so do you you started Rockstars in 2003? 2003, yeah. So this um, November will be our 20th anniversary, which is an um, unbelievable milestone and um, kind of shocking to even say that out loud. I never uh, envisioned it might be a 20 plus year journey, uh, but it really has been. And, you know, Rockstars, again, was kind of founded out of my desire to give back to something that brought me so much success, joy, happiness, love, relationships, really everything in my life I can trace back to um, beginning through music. So Rockstars was really my attempt at trying to offer a similar opportunity for others who may not have had the chance to participate in music or may not have been particularly talented, but really could benefit from being involved with music and all of the um, all of the um, things that come with participating and trying to learn music. It really is a vehicle to teach you life skills um, in every way, shape, and form. So it's a nonprofit, and you provide free instruments, free music education. Yeah, we do. There, there's kind of three pillars when I describe rock stars. The first pillar is we find kids who can't afford it. Generally, they come from a single parent household or, you know, have some kind of other hurdle in their way, oftentimes financial. And we give them a free instrument of their choice. It's there to, theirs to keep. We try to let them pick it out because we know that um, oftentimes when you're starting in music or you have an artistic slant to your personality, it's an extension of who you are. So we want to give you something that's appropriate for your age and skill, but also that kind of speaks to you and, and who you are on the outside. Uh, so that's the first pillar. The second pillar is then we find you an instructor in your local area. So we don't have a, we don't have a facility where kids have to come to us because that would be another impediment for, for most of these folks. So we find you a qualified music instructor usually in the form of one of our partners in your local area, wherever you live, anywhere in Massachusetts or Rhode Island, we'll, we'll have a partner or we'll find you a qualified teacher. And oftentimes the, the music teacher and the weekly lessons, it really turns out to be a mentorship opportunity for the kids. It really is beyond just teaching them guitar or singing or piano or whatever their, their chosen courses. You know, a lot of these kids, again, come from single parent households. They might not have uh, a father figure in their life or, you know, a lot of opportunity to be somewhere safe every week, uh, to be somewhere that's nurturing and to be somewhere with people that are already accomplished in doing things that they themselves love to do. So the second pillar is to partner with a store to get you lessons on the instrument. And then the third pillar is really looking for opportunities for you to perform. Um, as an artist or, you know, anybody who's tried music, it's a very, very different experience to practice an instrument on your own or with a teacher or maybe just for your mom or dad. It's very different to get up on a stage in front of, you know, dozens or maybe hundreds of people and let your flag fly, so to speak. Uh, there's nothing more empowering. It's very scary for many at first. Um, but if you can think about the power that could come from your son or daughter 
getting up in front of people to play music and what that takes and how much confidence and courage that mm -hmm. that stills in them. Imagine them getting a little bit older and going on their first job interview and sitting down in front of, you know, a person that's that's potentially going to become their employer. And just imagine that the confidence they already have looking that person in the eye, knowing that they've accomplished that already on their own in a, in a similar in a similar, you know, scary type of environment. That's awesome. And you're definitely teaching life skills for sure. And just about a year ago, you were on the Kelly Clarkson show with a national <laughs> audience. Speaking of scary. <laughs> it, I sure was. Yeah. Was that it was. Like? <laughs> yeah, it, it was scary. It was, um, it was kind of all the feelings at once. It was scary. It was an honor. It was intimidating. It was joyful. Um, it was complicated. It was stressful, <laughs> kind of everything rolled into one, but you know, it really, uh, I, I was the one who got to be on the show, which, which was amazing for me. It was a once in a lifetime opportunity, but really like everything through rock stars, none of it would have been possible without all of our donors and our, and our fan base. They're really the ones that have made all this stuff happen for rock stars. I don't really think of myself as being responsible for the 20 years of rock stars or any of the success stories. I sort of see myself in the role of kind of like a conductor to use the music analogy with an orchestra, you know, the, the performers and the players and the, the orchestra really are the ones doing the heavy lifting. And um, I look at, at our donors and our volunteers and our moms and dads and our, our students as the orchestra and I'm just kind of the guy who's gets to stand up in front and, you know, just give a little bit of light coaching uh, to make things unfold that, you know, other people are really more responsible for the outcomes. So I think the Kelly Clarkson thing was another example of that. You know, she reached out to me through her producers and I went through a pretty long, uh, intense process to be really interviewed and, and pre-qualified. Um, but I really give the credit to all the folks that have helped support our programming over 20 years. So it's, it's a pretty significant group of people. And I just feel, you know, really honored to be able to represent what they've made happen. Awesome. Let's move on a little bit to guitars behind bars. If you could elaborate on what that's all about. Yeah, sure. So, um, it was pre COVID. So it was maybe four years ago. I got in, um, an email from, a caseworker at a local state prison here in Massachusetts who was interested in trying to bring some musical instruments in for the, the folks in their facility. And slowly but surely, I got really interested and educated myself about the history of incarceration in the United States and the prison system. And, you know, um, trying to build, trying to, um, trying to influence systemic change really in something that's long overdue in our, in our um, society. So I also got a chance to visit the prison early on multiple times. And, you know, what I really took away from that, Karen, is I saw myself in all of the guys I met in the prison. Um, I really saw my own life reflected back at me. And although I never was incarcerated, thankfully, um, I saw that they were smart, that they were talented, that they were human beings. 
And just through circumstances, you know, I could have been in the same same boat as many of them. I was, you know, a young, lower middle class, white Jewish guy from uh, the suburbs. But if I had been living in the inner city or, you know, been African-American or a person of color without any role models in my life and the potential to sort of um, have these things unfold in a different way, uh, I could have easily wound up in their shoes. And I just really wanted to figure out a way to do something to humanize their situation and to show others that these are talented people. They're not somebody we should be casting off or that society should be throwing away. Um, you know, they, they, they call it corrections. They call these facilities correctional facilities, but they oftentimes don't do much correcting. Mm. And now a shout out to our sponsor, the Good Seed Market, 138 Central Avenue, Seekonk, Massachusetts. Started in 1989 by three friends with a goal of creating a neighborhood market offering simple, natural, organic products for a healthy lifestyle. Now a member of the independent Natural Foods Retailer Association, our friends at The Good Seed are offering our listeners a 10% discount on their first purchase just by mentioning Hush Providence. The Good Seed Market, a place where ideas can grow. So you have an artist in residency partnership serving the Department of Youth Services. That's how this yeah. all unfolded. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's been a more recent development, but it's been an opportunity for us to reboot the Guitars Behind Bars concept with um, juveniles. So the Department of Youth Services, um, you know, is a is a statewide organization here in Massachusetts that oversees programming for tens of thousands of um of juvenile folks, you know, under 21 that have all touched the uh, legal system in some way, shape or form. And there's, they operate several facilities around the state. And so we had the opportunity to bring a music program into the facility here in my home, my own hometown. And so we did a three month artist residency through Rockstars and we brought in two amazing teachers into the program we bought a MacBook and a bunch of other recording equipment, and we went in and taught beat making and um, hip hop for three months. And you know, we we teach hip hop, and we found that uh, even though it it may not fit under the quote unquote rock stars um, stylistic um, approach, we really we found that we want to give people the programming that they themselves want. The, the way that Rockstars operates isn't about us having a certain approach or we're experts or we know everything. We like to go into situations and be, be great listeners and understand what the best tool is to get the job done. I, I go back, um, I'll tell a, a quick little story. When I was first starting out doing social impact stuff and learning about the concepts of doing well by doing good, I had the great fortune to see a, a, a talk by Sir Edmund Hillary. He was speaking at a at an engagement that I got invited to. And I don't know if you don't know him, but he you should look him up. He was a, a, a very uh, well-known philanthropist and was the first person to scale Mount Everest. And somebody in the audience asked him, uh, about his philanthropic work and why he why he decided to um, go about this particular project 
of building schools, uh, helping to fund schools in Africa. And they asked him how he decided to do that. And he said, because he listened. And that's what people there told him would be the most impactful and what they themselves wanted. And that's a lesson that stuck with me. And so all through the social impact work I've been doing with rock stars, with guitars behind bars, with my corporate job, and with um, the company I've just founded to start doing consulting, I try to keep that top of mind all the time. You're definitely living your purpose, following your passion. It's, it's inspirational for everybody listening. And I know you well enough to know that you're having an, a huge impact on your clients, your families, everybody in the community. So you should be very proud of all that. Thank you. I'm, I'm just doing my best, like most people. And your storytelling is so vulnerable, the way that you post on social media, on LinkedIn. I mean, it just draws in the reader. So I told you this before, but I think that that could be another little career for you somehow. <laughs> Yeah, I, I've always, you know, I've always loved uh, writing and, you know, I guess by extension, storytelling. And I try to, I, the way I look at it when I write or do a video project to try to try to tell somebody's story, I kind of, I always lean on music analogies uh, for obvious reasons. But, you know, in music, there there's only 12 notes, you know, it's not this unlimited palette of notes but when certain people use those notes in certain ways to make the listener or the reader feel something and to elicit emotion, that's when the magic kind of happens. And that's what, that's what I try to do if I'm, you know, writing about myself or if I'm producing um, a storytelling piece for a client, you know, I really try to humanize what I'm trying to do. And I try to elicit feelings from the viewer, the reader, the listener, um, because I think that that's where the magic really lies. Mm, absolutely. Um, how can people connect to you if they want to connect to rock stars? What's the best way to do that? Yeah, sure. So um, of course, you can visit our website, which is rockstars.org. That's R-A-W-K-S-T-A-R-S.org. And actually, in the next probably week to 10 days, we'll be actually launching a brand new website, which is long overdue. Uh, like many small business owners, my, my site has been a little bit neglected and doesn't kind of reflect um, our, our current personality or, or state of content. So we've, we've been working hard to rectify that. And we're right on the verge of, of launching that. Um, and then the newest project that I'm kind of involved with is a consulting business called the greater good project and just like it sounds the greater good project.com and what that's all about is you know i came out of corporate america recently after being laid off from a job that i loved um, where i learned a lot and i had the opportunity to really double down on my social impact work and so i wanted to start my own um, consulting company where we could really focus in on projects that are for the greater good. And so the way I, I try to describe it is the greater good consulting is a people first, sub-corporate, sub outsider-informed, justice-happy small business that measures success by fulfillment instead of abundance. And the way I like to encapsulate that is it's where demand comes before supply. Mm. Um, you know, we're not just looking to take on any project. 
I'm not looking to, you know, help a vape shop sell more, you know, jewel pens or things that aren't really good for the world. We really want to focus in on projects that are important for others and just that make the world a better place for everybody. Because I think the old concept of the rising tide raises all boats is something I really believe in. And at this point in my life, you know, I want to use my skills and my time and my resources um, in helping others. That's amazing. Congratulations on that new venture. I'm sure it's going to be successful. I hope so. We're off to a good start and we've got some great clients on the way. So I look forward to uh, to talking about some of that stuff publicly. That's awesome. Soon. Are you familiar with the Maasai tribe in Africa? I am not like Maasai, like M-A-S-S-I. actually M-A-A-S-A-I. M-A-S-A-I. Yep. And they have in their culture, they have a traditional greeting. So when they meet someone, the greeting is, how are the children? And the response is supposed to be, you know, the uh, ideally this the response is going to be all the children are well. And it has to do with, you know, their society, their culture, and taking care of the, you know, the most vulnerable in the society. So I think I that, that all of the work that you're doing and taking care of the kids and just putting yourself out there is is sort of like that. We obviously have a lot to do in this country right now. There's a lot of work to do for all of us but you're definitely on the way to, to making change and making impact. And you should feel really good about that. So thank you. I, I really appreciate that. Um, I think there, there's this concept that I, I like to try to embody and it's this idea of planting trees under whose shade you'll never sit. Um, you know, I think when you can think about doing something that helps others, even if you never reap any benefits or or even see the fruits of that labor yourself. I think that there's something um, magical about the continuity of that. And, and I'm a firm believer in the interconnectedness of all things. And I think that that's how it manifests for me or how I try to make it manifest for me. Well, you're an amazing human. Thank you so much for joining me today and sharing your light with everyone. And to all of our listeners, um, until next time, be well. Thank you, JJ. Appreciate you. Thank you so much, Karen. I appreciate you too. Take care. You too. Thank you so much for listening to Hush Providence, a well-being podcast. This would not be possible without the incredible help from Jamie Farinella and Stephanie Whitehead on branding and logo concept, John Papa's endless generosity, David Davignon and Austin Lynch for their skilled technical expertise, And of course, our amazing guests and all of you, our listeners. Until next time, be well.